0: Welcome to Views from the North, a Canadian rates and macro podcast. This week, I'm joined by Chris D'Onofrio from BMO's Canadian Swap Trading Desk. This week's episode is titled Tough Talk. I'm Ben Reitzes, and welcome to Views from the North. Each episode, I will be joined by members of BMO's FIC sales and trading desk to bring you perspectives on the Canadian rates market and the macro economy. We strive to keep this show as interactive as possible by responding directly to questions submitted. our listeners and clients. We value your feedback, so please don't hesitate to reach out with any topics you'd like to hear about. I can be found on Bloomberg or via email at benjamin.writesus at bmo.com. That's benjamin.reitzes at bmo.com. Your input is valued and greatly appreciated. Chris, welcome back to the show. I think it's your second appearance. Yeah, second time. Thanks for having me back. Happy Uh, to be here. It's also our 50th episode. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for everyone out there who's still listening to me. Ramble on about all this uh, Canadian macro and and rates talk. It's Wednesday at, at 4.30, April 26th. We had the minutes, or what Canada calls the Summary of Policy Deliberations, can't just call the minutes, that'd be too simple, from the Bank of Canada this afternoon, they were out uh, earlier, and they kept the same tone as what we heard from the bank a few weeks ago. Just a- effectively, that the bank considered raising rates at the last meeting, they chose not to, They patience is, is the way to go for now. Uh, and I think it, it's pretty clear why, if, if you really read through the whole thing, it, it seems quite evident that until there's there's a real reason that they'd have to push rates even higher, uh, I think they're they're more than happy to sit on the sidelines, but the tough talk continues. And, and I think that that's probably the bottom line. And, and uh, the market isn't really buying that. There's 35 basis points or so of rate cuts priced by the end of the year. We've had as much as 50 or more at some points, uh, and, and then further cuts in 2024. Is that appropriate, Chris?
1: Yeah, I mean, you jumped right into exactly what I wanted to talk about. The, the imminence is the thing I have the problem with. So is there validity to having cuts priced in at some point in the next year? probably or at least some probability mass assigned to that some point in the next year yeah that's that's fair but like you said we the way the the short very very ultra short end of the curve looks right now is like you've got about a half a cut in each meeting starting at september and then as you go towards you know the beginning of 2024 you get into like a full cut per meeting which is like I mean, it's not impossible, but it doesn't seem very likely at this point. I mean, as you said, today just gave us more evidence of the same thing. It's we are on hold. We considered raising, not considered cutting, considered raising. <laughs> and that still may happen, right? And probably not. Like, I agree with you that we're probably on hold for a very long time. But in no in no way, shape or form do you say we're considered cutting, we're concerned about a recession, blah, 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 etc. And I think a big reason as to why, and we actually saw this flows-wise with with some of the OIS uh, that some of the some of the American guys were trading was the reason that the curve kind of looks like that. I think is just because of the U.S. People think you know the risk return on betting on cuts in Canada against you know. Or to converge with cuts in the US is too good to pass on, basically. So, you know, we've gone from having no cuts to, as you said, almost two full cuts priced in purely because, you know, maybe something will blow up in the US again and maybe the Fed will have to be cutting at the end of the year. But that's not a made in Canada Canadian problem, right? Just because a regional bank blows up in the US doesn't mean, oh my gosh, all of a sudden we need to price in 25 or 50 or 75 or however many basis points of cuts in the next six months.
0: That being said, and I agree for for the most part on its own, it, it, idiosyncratically, if Canada lived in its own world, then, uh, I mean, cuts would probably be a, wa- a ways away, though we are seeing signs of the, of the economy softening. So, we'll, I mean, we'll see where things pan out over the next few months. But does it make any sense for meaningfully more cuts to be priced into the US than Canada? And so, we're, we're due next week to, to hear from the Fed and-, and They're likely to raise rates another 25 basis points, pushing policy rates above 5% uh, while the bank stays on hold at 450. So Fed funds will be 58 basis points, give or take, above uh, overnight rates in Canada. Does it make any sense for Fed funds to be trading through Canadian rates in the middle of 2024, which would mean the bank would have to lag the Fed on rate cuts by- Seventy-five basis points, give or take. Does that make any sense? Like, is that is that a reasonable outcome? It's an outcome. Whether it's reasonable, <laughs> whether it's reasonable or not,
1: um, is is another question. Do I think seventy-five is 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 a serious number? No, probably not. At some point, maybe there may be a lag of you know. There's a stretch of a couple of months there where we do reach that point in the in a more steady state. Like a year from now, I would think probably not. So, you know, if you're talking about the, the, you know, one year, one year cross market trade, which a lot of people are poking around on right now, then yes, I think that probably is the right trade. But I do think, you know, for at least a period of time, the U.S. has to big time lead the way, right? Like if this is a blow up recession induced cutting cycle in the U.S., that starts with the US, my thinking would be that gap gets a lot wider before it narrows back to something that we think is probably reasonable, And whether it's 25 basis points or 50 basis points or however. The disparity between Canada and the US should be at some point next year into this hypothetical cutting cycle.
0: But there was lots of talk, or a decent amount at least, of, of, of discussion by the bank in the minutes about the regional banking stress in the U.S. So, I mean, it is it is something they are very much concerned about. They're cognizant of as much as any stress generated by the U.S. or, or, or emanating from the U.S. I mean, could be the driver of, of any kind of downturn. Uh, there, there's a knock-on effect on Canada. I think that's undeniable. Yeah. And, and and even if yeah. even if it takes some time to, to to manifest itself, the bank will have a hard time ignoring it. Especially if the Fed is cutting, if the bank holds policy, the Canadian dollar is going to go bananas strong, which I, I mean, as a tourist occasionally to the US, I'm totally okay with. I was in California last week. I would love for those bills to come down if that were to happen in the next couple of days, since I need to pay those pretty soon. But outside of that angle, I don't think the bank's going to want to see that much Canadian dollar strength at the end of the day, especially in a environment of the global economy likely weakening. And that that's exactly what they, they don't want to see, unless – unless Canada for some reason is is somewhat immune to that but i have i have to yeah. believe in that
1: yeah and, I, and and as i said like i think and it's not even a long term view it's more of a medium term view you're you're absolutely right right like that bleeds into canada no matter what like we are we are, <laughs> we don't exist in a vacuum we are you know in many ways second to the us and that's fine but i just think the urgency with which this situation might unfold in the us would lead to that gap okay Widening so first, before, first order before move. it narrows, yeah. first order move. Yeah,
0: whereas it, the market isn't really priced that way, but yeah, okay, yeah. I gotcha. Okay, yeah, I, I could see that that makes sense. And so, um, those trades may not work on immediately, that first order move, yeah, yeah. And then, but,
1: but they, eventually, yes, depends how deep your pockets yeah, are, and I guess. In, in, in the meantime, you'll be well <laughs>
0: offside, yeah, okay. Uh, I mean, that 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 does make some sense. So, the other, the other side of things is uh, it's the housing angle in Canada. There's a reasonable argument to be made that the bank doesn't really want to push rates lower and, and, and strengthen housing at all. That's one area where, I mean, Canada is is more vulnerable. And the longer rates can stay higher and, and continue to push froth out of that market, uh, the better off they are. And, and really, the financial system is. Uh, there's a little, little bit more stability there over time, I think, uh, if, if they can refrain from, from lighting a fire under housing again. Yeah, I don't know and if we, you need to buy a house, so maybe well, you have a yeah, different yeah. opinion. No, but <laughs> <laughs> we'll,
1: we'll see. We'll see if that uh, June September steepener pays off by the end of the year, <laughs> and maybe. But um, but no, that's that's actually a good something I'd, I'd like to to pick your brain on is like is because we haven't seen much of an impact in in the housing data as of as of yet. We've seen a bit of an impact, but it's not material enough to where it's it's bottoming.
0: It's bottoming. So I I, I last two weeks ago was with. Three weeks ago, can't remember the date. Timing anymore was uh, was used from the north was with with Rob Kafzik, and the numbers since then have, have been pretty similar. That that it looks as though housing is bottoming. Mortgage rates have stopped going up. Mm-hmm five year rates are are off the highs. They're not well down, but they're off the highs. And, and I think all you need is is almost a, just a little bit of confidence that rates aren't going to keep going up anymore. And then everybody was kind of waiting on the sidelines, unsure, well, is my mortgage rate going to keep going up? Do I want to pay that much more? I, I just need some certainty in my life. And it seems as though that's helped bring in some buyers. and at the same time, supply has been just non-existent. And so, uh, really, a lack of supply and buyers being a, a little bit more willing. I'm not going to say on mass at all because there's there's still uh, sales are still pretty low, but prices have firmed up a little bit. Things look a little bit better. We may still get supply, still may may pick up, and that may weigh on prices again. But for now, right? Uh, things are tightening. We're right. not going to say they're they're going to stay that way per se, but uh, it looks as though we might be maybe at least kind of trudging along the bottom for housing so right. prices i'm not going to say they've hit the bottom but it i mean it, it's it's certainly possible they're and not
1: yeah they're not at a cause for concern point as of yet
0: oh definitely not if anything <laughs> if anything i almost want them to fall a little bit further to be a little bit more comfortable with valuations yeah they're they're they're, they're still relatively rich you've only effectively worked off the froth they're not we have, yeah we're not cheap right and and that's just because right. supply isn't there and when right. supply is not supply and demand so no supply Prices stay high. It, yeah. it really is that simple. No force selling yet, and I don't know what brings that around. But maybe, maybe the economy weakens enough, and you get some some unemployment, and and that drives a, a little bit of weakness in that market. We're we're not there yet. Job growth has remained pretty strong. Unemployment still really low, but some small cracks. You can right. see like January GDP was really strong. February we'll find out at the end of this week, but not quite as good. March, very mixed. So, like, home sales were up in March, but mm-hmm. manufacturing was down. But retail sales were down and wholesale trade was down, but manufacturing was up. Right. Uh, and so, you, you have a, a really mixed bag on things. And so, there, there's no clear direction yet on on the macro economy. But if if it were to crack, that's not going to be a good thing for housing. Then you get that no, supply come back and yeah. prices go back down and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. uh, we're, we're, we're not there. We'll see where, where we end up. But, uh, I mean, all this stuff are factors that the bank needs to take into account when they're setting policy. And so something, I guess, something to think about when looking at the, those Canada-US differentials, for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point.
0: Given the bank's kind of continued hawkish tone, at least, or, or whatever you want or to call firm it. firm tone, let's say. Firm yeah. tone, yeah. sure. <laughs> Tough talk on, on rates and inflation. How soon do you think they can soften that? How soon can they start to sound a little bit more dovish? When can they back off? At least a little bit to sound, I'd call it more neutral or more balanced two-way to be, mm-hmm. in, in, instead of at the end of the statement and, and in the minutes, telling us that they're they're considering raising rates, they're they're comfortably on hold or something along those lines. Yeah,
1: I think um, an important consideration there is do they or do they not care what the market thinks because I, I feel like. It- Pretty soon after they start making that transition to not necessarily a pivot to cutting, but to, okay, we're done. Like, we're, we're good to go. Like, things look good. The market will probably just, you know, blast off and price in another 75 basis points of cuts and everything else, right? So, you know, if that is a consideration, I would say that they, they probably need to to wait till, you know, something more like Q3 of this year to get to the point. I mean, of course, to your point earlier, unless, you know, the cracks tend to widen and, and something goes wrong to take that stance and to say, you know, back off a little bit, um, you know, not walking it back, but, you know, we don't need to tap the market on the nose every time it gets ahead of itself here. You know, if if that's not a concern, it could be, you know, maybe not the next meeting, but probably as soon as July, I would say if if things remain the way they are, like, I don't don't see a reason for them to not say, okay, well, look at our history over the last three meetings we've been on hold. We, you know, maybe the first two of them considered raising rates, but last time didn't even consider it. Because you know growth is slowing the way we intended it to slow, et cetera, et cetera, and you know the U.S. remains a concern. We don't want an incredibly strong dollar. All the main arguments that you pointed out before. So, and I really don't know if the answer to that question is do they or do they not care whether the market whether the market uh, gets ahead of itself or not. But I think those are kind of the two the two scenarios in which I I see uh, them approaching that.
0: I'm not sure I know the answer to that either. I mean, there there are. It I guess it depends on what it. What, what mortgage rates do. I think that that's yeah. where they, they start to care. And if if five-year yields start to dip enough yeah, and, that's a and good point. credit yeah, spreads tight enough and that drives mortgage yields down, mortgage mortgage rates down, then they start to get concerned. But otherwise, if the market prices cuts, I don't think they're a huge fan of the market going on its own way. But uh, they tend not to push back too hard. And yeah. I, I like that July timing. i We'll know where inflation is by then. We'll be at that maybe three percent mark by then that the banks uh, forecasting, and, yeah. and and we we have we're, we're close. We we don't have inflation continuing to fall through the second half of the year. It's kind of just stuck around three mm-hmm. percent. But we'll be at that three percent mark, and and that's as hard as it might be to go from three to two. Three is a lot closer to two than yeah. where we are today. Three is better uh, than six. <laughs> three is better than six. It's better than five. It's better than four. Uh, and 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 directionally, it, it's it's. Probably uh, at least where they want to be going, and the economy will will, will likely be softer by then, uh, and, and we won't we won't really have a great idea of, of if the economy softened enough. I think until that meeting, like June, is is too close, uh, so it's still still uh, still a ways to go on that front. Uh, let's change gears a little bit here and and talk about stuff that you know better than I do. Sure, that's why I brought you here. Sure, uh, swap spreads. Yeah, um, where that curve has been all messed up the last uh, the last couple of weeks for sure. Where are the opportunities there and and why is the curve the way that it is? Well,
1: there's a couple of things. So, over the last few months, we've seen a shift in the kind of domestic real money flow crowd to where, you know, most of the people that matter uh in our market have been paying the front end, paying twos, paying threes, possibly paying fours. Um, against things further out, Um, which has been a shift because, you know, most of last year that flow was dominated by pretty much receiving fives and sixes and sevens. And that was pretty much all they did. So that's kind of distorted the curve a bit. Mind you, as I speak today, it started to correct a little bit today and yesterday. But that's distorted the curve over the last couple of months to the point where twos and threes are very, very stretched compared to where they were and compared to the rest of the curve. And I think this is pretty evident if you look at the curve in forward space. I mean, you and I have talked about this trade before, but if you look at kind of the one-year gaps going beyond one-year, one-year, so if you look at two-year, one-year versus three-year, one-year, and that's you know in spot starting terms basically 2s 3s 4s but if you look at that um over the last couple of weeks it's it's been crazy inverted to the point where it's you know 30 basis points inverted 35 basis points inverted i think it got to 40 basis points inverted recently which you know if you believe that we're at the end of a at the end of a hiking cycle and at the beginning well maybe not for 6 months or 12 months but going into a a cutting cycle then you know that curve should be entirely closer to flat than it is at the moment so i mean You know, is that a reflection of the macroeconomics people are pricing into the Canadian swap curve? No, probably not. It's a reflection of, you know, where twos and threes and fours have been trading just because of this idiosyncratic flow. But it's, I think, an opportunity and and remains an opportunity today, although it's corrected a little bit. Um, And that's something that we've seen people start to express as well, whether it's in the form of twos, threes, fives or two, three, four, two, one, three, one, two, one, three,
0: two, all that fun stuff. Why is that flow going to subside? So if mortgage rates, so the mortgage rate curve is upward sloping, mm-hmm. people expect rates to fall over the coming years, including Main Street thinks rates will not stay up here for a long period of time. Why are people going to stop taking out one, two, three-year mortgages and start taking out five-year mortgages? Because that, that's what drives a lot of that pay flow is, is yeah. where, where those mortgages are originated. And I, near term for the next six months, for sure, uh, or at the Till the bank really changes its its tone, and even then, I suspect that it'll be longer than that. Why is that flow going to subside? It just doesn't 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 make a lot of sense. No, me. no, no. So yeah,
1: I, I agree with you on that front. I don't think the flow subsides. I think it remains. I what I think happens is you know people who have some view in Canada, whether it's they want to steep in twos fives, for example, instead of twos fives, maybe they do it in threes fives, or maybe they do it in two-year, one-year versus three-year, two-year or something. And they express it that way just because you get a kicker from, you know, well, these spreads are pretty rich versus these spreads. And so when I express this in swap space, I get the added advantage of pushing the market back into place with the way I'm expressing my view. I think, yeah, you absolutely have a point. Like there's there's, looking at mortgage rates today, I don't think uh, five-year fixed is inverted nearly enough to five-year variable for people to start doing that. I don't think the natural flow will switch anytime soon, but I think, you know, if this becomes more of the norm, I think people will understand that and people will realize where the spread curve ought to be, including, you know, those people who maybe have this flow and are hedging it as well and may choose to receive the four-year point instead of the three-year point, for instance, just because that spread switch has gotten so out of control or whatever. Um, and I think that's that's how kind of this normalizes. I don't think it's a more, like I said, I don't think it's a more of a reflection of the macroeconomics of where mortgages okay. in Canada are going. I think it's more of People needing to take advantage of this this um, mispricing
0: point on the it, that, that's the best way to express a steepener. Fruitcake. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. yeah, yeah that makes that's
1: sense. That's how I think about it now. That makes sense yeah, for sure.
0: Uh, this is a good 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 segue, I think, for you to give us an update on the transition or how it's going or where we are in uh, the transition from CEDOR to Cora. Because I think we're well on our way at this
1: point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's been it's been what, four months now? More than four months, just over four months. Yeah, it, it was a bit of a slow start, but I will say, I mean, as I as I was as I was saying, I think last time that uh, you had me on the on the show here, it's been better than what I saw unfold in the Libor to Sofa transition. Canada has maybe taken a lesson or two from the US and, and it's been quicker. I mean, it's been four months and we've seen a lot in the last, especially in the last month, a lot of the real money community, whether it's domestic or foreign, switched to maybe not completely Quora risk, but at least most of the new risk, if they can do it in Quora, they will do it in Quora. And in the interbank, I would say, you know, it's it's not 100%, but it's probably something like, you know, 70% of the prices out there and 70% of the stuff that's going through is in spreads and in rates and in flies, et cetera, is going to be Quora-based. And I think that's great. I mean, like, that's what regulators want. That's what the banks want. And that's what hopefully the clients want. And I think people are starting to realize that the liquidity is definitively better now and going to remain better on the core side of things than it is on the CEDOR side of things.
0: I think it's worth highlighting that uh, the Bank Canada, put out, they put out a, a weekly update on this transition. Uh, and, and over half of uh, trades on, on a DVO-1 basis were, were in Quora versus CEDOR over the past couple of weeks. So that is clearly the trend. I think yeah. it's still a challenge on the future side of things. Backs are still dominant Versus the core futures, but but it's slowly building. Open interest is building on the core side, and then pulling back a bit on the back side. So we we'll, we will get there, but there there's definitely progress there. So anybody out there who uh, dabbles in these markets, I think the, you got to look at core now, and then that that's, yeah. especially for anything new, you, that that that's how you want to play this. And uh, I mean, fundamentally, it's it's no different.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think I mean, the time is becoming. Very, very ripe for for uh, portfolio transitions as well, right? Like even if, like you said, people are doing all their new risk in Cora, they might have a bunch of legacy of CEDOR risk, and and now is the time where we're starting to see a lot of big O one go through of like, okay, we have this portfolio that we've had for the past ten years. There's a bunch of CEDOR in it. You know, we need to put through 500K or a million in 01 of CEDOR OAS basis to transition our whole portfolio. Let's get it done now. And I think. Now is becoming the best time. This is where we're seeing big, big O ones in the Interbank cross in that basis. And it's trading at, you know, for by Canadian standards, a relatively liquid bid offer. So I think it's 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 pretty good. So for, for folks out there wondering when the time is to transition their portfolio, I think it's it's upon us over the next couple
0: of months here. The best part about your statement was by Canadian standards. Yeah, nice. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You gotta give a caveat. All right, let's uh let's wrap things up. What 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 are your two favorite trade ideas because I know you have two. Because one of them's gonna have to be OAS and one of them's gonna be Yeah, I mean, I
1: mean, yeah. yeah. So I think in the just kind of repeating, I guess, myself a little bit here, in the in the very front end of the curve in OAS space, I think I think the very beginning of the cuts is worth fading right now. So there's about a 50% chance of a cut priced into September meeting, which I think is very much too early. So you know whether it's July, September, July, October, something like that. Steepening that meeting switch is, is I think, a pretty good risk return at this point, and that will trade uh, naturally short. And given how much we rallied recently, I think that's probably a good thing. Further out on the curve, uh, we've already talked about two-year, one-year, three-year, one-year. That's also a pretty high risk return right now. Cross market, I think in the U.S. it's about flat. So if you think Canada will steepen at all whatsoever, or the spread curve will normalize, you can pick up. You know. 10 to 20 to however many basis points for those things to converge. I think the long-run average over the last two years has been something like 12 basis points. Canada is inverted to the US, so that's a pretty good one. My third trade that I think is more of a longer-term trade is, is the one that you talked about, the, the uh, kind of one-year versus one-year, one-year cross-market. I, I don't know when the time to put that on is. I don't know if it's now. I, like I said, I think it probably gets a little more exacerbated before it gets better. But I think you know, if you've got deep pockets in a long-term view, I think that's probably the, the right trade to do.
0: All right, cool. Well, thank you for for coming on to episode number 50 and and thanks to all our listeners out there and uh, hope you tune in again soon and, and thanks for coming in, Chris. Yeah, thanks again for having me. Thanks for listening to Views from the North, a Canadian rates and macro podcast. I hope you'll join me again for another episode.
1: The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of BMO Capital Markets, its affiliates or subsidiaries. For full legal disclosure, visit bmocm.com slash macrohorizons slash legal.